everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Astrology and You. I'm Alice. And I'm Maxine. Today, we're going to be talking about the 12 houses. I'm so excited for this episode. Um, You might know the signs of your planets, but the houses that they fall in your birth chart are equally as important. Yes, so every single house in your chart represents an area of your life. So for example, the seventh house is going to represent close one-on-one relationships. This can either be romantic or work-oriented, whereas the tenth house is going to represent career, long-term goals, and your public image, like how other people see you because of your job. Yes, and in this episode, we're going to first go over some transits that are happening for this week, and then we'll dive into all 12 of the houses and tease out what they mean and kind of give you a fuller picture of what each looks like and how it will influence your life. Yes, so before we get to that, let's look at what's going on in astrology this week. Um, So as of yesterday, Mercury officially stationed retrograde in Aquarius. We talked about this a little more depth in our last episode, so go back to that if you haven't listened. But what you can expect from now until February 20th is kind of like you may encounter more miscommunications in your relationships or work might be slower or you may hear from an ex or you could want to revisit like past projects um, that you had left off a while ago. Mercury retrograde is basically just a time to like slow down and go back to things and reflect more. Yes, I love how you said that. Um, Yeah, and just being really mindful of not being critical of other people and how you communicate to people around you um, because at this time you're just not as mindful as it natu- of it naturally so you just have to give yourself more of a pause yeah and then tomorrow um, so February 1st the sun in Aquarius is coming into a square with Mars and Taurus so when these two planets meet up um, you may feel like you have a lot more energy and you may get easily irritated or feel like you need things to happen in your life like right now. You may not have like a lot of patience right now to sit around and like wait for everyone else to get on board with your plans. So basically trying to channel this energy into something productive where you're not like blowing up or getting irritated with other people. So definitely like squeeze in an extra workout, maybe like paint or do some kind of art project on the side. Um and try to approach any frustration, any frustrating situations more calmly instead of just like going after someone for if they're doing something you don't like. Yeah, definitely like pausing and not engaging when you feel that frustration come up. Like it's such a good exercise to just really observe what your initial reaction would be. I mean, it's obviously much easier said than done, but it's a great time to focus on that. Um Yeah, and like you said, I love that you added there how you can channel into different things, like whether it's working out or painting. Like I personally love to dance like during that time and just kind of like shake off all of that excess energy so that way you can actually ground it into something productive. Yeah, I love that. Also on February 1st, Venus will be moving into Aquarius. So what this means for you is that you might be branching out with your friendships and since it is Aquarius this might also just mean friendships online like on Instagram or different platforms you might feel like you want to have more of a community um, rather than just intimate friendships it's more of a focus on branching out 
and expanding yourself in that area. And then also looking if you have if you're in a romantic relationship, you're looking for more freedom within it. So this might mean getting out of your routine. You might be, you know, it could be as simple as just going to a different restaurant or doing something that gets you out of your comfort zone. And out, you know, like for dating, I guess Alice, you could talk more about that. Yeah, I feel like if you're single, I'm perpetually single. So that's why <laughs> Maxine's having me talk about this. Um, branching out of your usual type so going for someone you normally wouldn't go for kind of with venus and aquarius it's like the quirkier the person is the more you're into them so good time to get out of your comfort zone with dating over the next few weeks and then yeah and so that'll like bring us into a period where a ton of planets are in fixed signs at once so we still have mars and uranus and taurus now we're gonna have Venus, Mercury, the Sun, Saturn, and Jupiter all in Aquarius Ah. at the same time. Um, This many planets in Aquarius has not happened since 1962. And basically the energy that this will bring is like an overwhelmingly need for change and to have freedom and to be like your own individual. So depending on where Aquarius falls in your chart, that's going to affect like a different area of life for you. But basically, if there's any situation in your life that just like doesn't feel right anymore or that feels restricting, you're going to want to leave it behind and just like have more drastic change going on. Um, It's really not the time to stay in old situations that no longer feel right. Like this is the perfect time to take some kind of risk. Okay, this is so accurate, too, because I'm just reflecting, like you said, and we'll get into in this episode on houses, but Aquarius is fall like my midheaven falls in Aquarius so it's just yeah and you you just quit your job exactly going through all these changes yeah so take that risk whatever it is the expansion you will feel on the other side is like you can't even imagine yeah and And then yeah and then I was just gonna say um on the third and fourth of February so I think that's Wednesday and Thursday the moon is moving into Scorpio another fixed sign so Did you want to explain what that would hold? Because it'll trigger Aquarius and Taurus planets right now. Yeah. So more with the fixed energy. (laughs) Um, So basically when, so this is Wednesday and the moon will be moving into Scorpio, but this whole week the moon will be in more relationship oriented signs. So there's a greater focus on that. And with the moon in Scorpio specifically on Wednesday when it moves there, your feelings will be more intensified. So this could make you more emotional. Um, Kind of the shadow side of that is a tendency to obsess over things or to become really controlling of yourself or others. But on the positive side, Scorpio moon can kind of get you to focus and bring your goals to life. Like it can also help you to harness your sexual energy at this time or to feel more empowered and confident in yourself. And you might even get intuitive downloads that you otherwise wouldn't. So this energy really, it's important to be mindful going into this week. How do you want to channel this energy? Because you will feel it no matter what. So getting really clear on how you want to have this man energy manifest and also being opposite uranus and mars brings about a more restless energy so kind of frustration or maybe even unexpected change 
So, for example, you might find that within your intimate relationships, there might be more challenges or change required of you. So kind of like very scorpionic, like getting rid of the past and moving forward. Um, Yeah, and so just working to channel this energy into something productive. Because Scorpio moon can be difficult for some people. Yeah, and just adding on what you say, like anytime the moon is in a fixed sign in 2021, pretty much. um, So this would be anytime it's an Aquarius, Leo, Taurus, or Scorpio throughout the year. This is going to trigger Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius because they're there for all of 2021. So um, amplifying all of those Aquarius themes I just talked about, about like wanting to take a risk, wanting to initiate change in your life, like moving forward and having like progressive ideas. Um, So yeah, the moon in Scorpio this week will definitely trigger that. Yes, you can't ignore it. And then over the weekend, Venus will be coming into a conjunction with Saturn and Aquarius. So those two planets are meeting. So if you're in a relationship, you may find that you kind of want to know where you stand with the other person this weekend, and you might want more commitment out of them. Um, Or you could just be selective about what social plans you're agreeing to, and maybe you don't feel as light and like fun. It's like maybe you don't really want to be that social Mm. yeah I I love I loved it's just so helpful to understand the energy for the week so that way you can actually go into it like being mindful and channel it positively yeah so should we get to our main topic which is the houses yes so let's get started on the houses you are going to need to pull up your birth chart for this episode or you know if you have your birth chart pretty well known just picturing it in your head is fine as well to know your houses you have to have an exact birth time because the houses are determined by that time so make sure that you get the exact birth time and then you can go on astro.com and use whole sign or whatever you prefer we talked about this on the previous episode so go back to that if you need a little more help with that Um, also if you don't know your birth time there is such thing as chart rectification which can you can do with an astrologer just to kind of get a better sense of what time you may have been born at. Yeah. Yeah. Astrologers definitely do that. Um, but like we said, each house in your chart represents a specific area of your life. So if you have a lot of planets in one house of your chart, that part of your life will be so much more emphasized than another area. And you may encounter way more lessons with that part of your life than you would with a house in your chart that has no planets at all. Right. And also don't worry about houses that don't have planets, which are called empty houses. Those aren't bad and they're not necessarily empty in this that sense. So we'll address this at the end. And just to give an example of like how houses work, let's say you have a Leo son. So you have those Leo-like traits of being super creative and needing to express your personality through some kind of creative hobby or performance art or being social with friends, then you look to what house your Leo son is placed in. And that shows where your creativity is going to come out the most and where your personality can really shine. So a Leo son in the ninth house of your chart means that you could be a really good teacher and you might use your fun energy to inspire people to want to learn more from you. Or you could pour that into like creative writing projects, anything that involves kind of writing or communication like that. 
Or if you have your Leo sun in the 11th house of your chart, that means you kind of really shine in group settings and people may look up to you among your group of friends and you could be like an inspiring leader to others in that way. Yes. So it's, it's basically taking that, that planet and the sign it's in and then the area of life is what the house represents for you, unique to your chart. So for example, we talked about the moon and Scorpio energy a little bit with the transits this week, if that's your natal moon, if your moon is in Scorpio, you'll still feel that like intensity in your personality regarding your emotions. But if it's in the seventh house, that will be focused in on your one-on-one relationships. Whereas if it's in the second house, then you'll feel that intensity of your emotions come up more um, surrounding maybe work or any way that you make money or maybe achieving success is more important to you and you go about it very intensely or you find that you're more intense at your work. Yeah, so basically the sign the planet is in shows how you feel that planet in your life and the house it falls in shows where you direct the energy of that planet if that makes sense yeah that was good to clarify and as we go through these you'll see that each house can have a number of meanings um so how events play out with each house is going to differ from person to person So for instance, I have Saturn and Jupiter going through my seventh house right now. One meaning of that is like, oh my God, you're going to get into a romantic relationship. You're going to get engaged. Well, guess what? That hasn't happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Instead, I'm forming like work partnerships and learning how to work through other people with other people in my career. Um, So let's get into it. Hasn't happened yet keyword yeah we still we still have like the next couple years yeah it's not like you just get a business partner and then you're just like done for the next two and a half years I would be like universe (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh okay so yes let's jump into the houses we're going to go through each house pretty methodically one through twelve so be sure to have your birth chart up kind of look to see which houses have a lot of planets in them Um, That might be a good way of going through this episode and making note of whatever house that is. Let's begin with the first house. So all houses are indicated by the numbers 1 through 12 in the center of your birth chart. If you're new to astrology, all you have to look do is look to the center. And the first house is at the 9 o'clock position. Your first house is the biggest signifier of who you are. You may know what your rising sign is, and in whole sign, the great part about it is that the rising sign will be the sign of your entire first house. So it kind of makes it easy in that way. Yeah, and you may also hear the words like rising sign and ascendant line interchanged a lot. Um, The ascendant line is the most prominent angle of your chart, and that falls in the first house as well, and it's a sensitive point within the first house. The first house tells more about how you project yourself into the world. You need to express these energies associated with your first house sign and the planets placed there. It's determined by the time of your birth and all the houses are, so you really need to have the exact birth time. And it also is spiritually significant. 
If you think about the first house, your ascendant line is actually where the eastern horizon was, where the sky meets the earth when you were born. So if you believe in reincarnation astrology, that would an interpretation of that would be that your soul is actually entering your body at the moment of your first breath. So we can connect with this energy just spontaneously. It's something that just comes to us without effort. As an example, I'm a Gemini rising. What that would mean is that Gemini is all about words and how you communicate, and that's just something that comes naturally to me. Like at times I just feel they come out of thin air when I'm really communicating and doing like about something that is very important to me. And I might even be writing and I feel like things are just channeling to me. Like I don't know where it came from. That is an example of how your rising sign can be very spiritual and like almost a gift that you just naturally can, you know, project out into the world. So it's really cool. Yeah, and as a Leo rising, I've always felt like creativity is something that comes supernaturally to me too. Um, I remember as a child, I was like very good at painting and it wasn't, I had never taken like an art class. Just these skills would, they just came out of nowhere. Um, And uh, like how you lose yourself in writing or projects related to communication, like when I'm painting or drawing or working on some kind of creative hobby, that's where I lose myself. And it's like no time passes at all. Yes. Yeah. It's like, honestly, like something is working through you. And so that can be indicated by a rising sign. Mm -hmm. And again, if you have your sun, because the first house indicates where the horizon was when you were born, Your sun being in the first house means that you were born at dawn. So you might look at your... Yes. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, so yeah, you can have your sun and rising sign be the same sign. That's a... Some people are like, oh, can your sun sign and your rising sign be the same? Yes, they can. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that definitely is possible to have double energy there in that sign. And again, your rising sign tells more about your identity, your personality, even your attitude toward life. And it shows kind of your self-discovery in this lifetime. So you need to express this energy to feel free, to feel whole. It's something, again, that might come naturally to you, but you still need to express it. If you're suppressing that energy, like, Alice, you're a Leo rising. Like, if you're not being creative, you're not expressing this part of you that like needs to come to fruition yeah like I feel like at my old job when it lost its creativity that's when I really started to like lose energy and feel very hopeless yes yeah that's the same for me too like I need to learn as a Gemini that's so interesting you brought that up um yeah so you really need to express this energy what would be some like other examples yeah so like Aries rising, for example, you meet the world with this like fiery um, kind of go-getter, self-starting initiative, and you might always be up to new experiences. So if you're not having new experiences, if you're not feeling like you have something that kind of gets you excited, you're not going to be able to feel like you're expressing all of you. And it's a really like low energy that you'd feel. Yeah. So Pisces rising is 
Pisces is like a very spiritual sign, like needing to connect to something bigger than yourself. So I feel like with that Pisces rising, feeling like you're a bigger, you're a smaller part of a bigger picture and probably themes tied into spirituality, um, like astrology, for example, are areas of life like you feel very passionate about. Um, But with a Pisces rising, you may come across as more reserved or self-reflective, kind of just more focused on your internal process and emotions rather than getting out there into the world. And you're also very, yeah, you're also just like very quick to pick up on how everyone else is feeling, like very sensitive in that way. Mm, Yeah, super intuitive. Any planet on the horizon or in your first house is also magnified. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot more attention directed to that planet. And maybe you feel like everyone can see that part of you and that it's just like out in the world visible for everyone to look at, even if that isn't exactly the case. That's just the way you feel about it. So for instance, I have Chiron, which is an asteroid associated with wounding and feeling like something's missing or wrong with you. And because I have it in the first house, I feel like everyone can see my flaws and all the parts that I'm that are wrong with me, like that I'm ugly or that I'm not confident enough or that I'm awkward when that's just thoughts I'm having about myself. Like no one else can see that. I just feel like they can. Yeah, because it's any planet there is going to be more, you, you're more self-aware about that part of you. And so then you can be more self-conscious even when other people don't notice it. Yeah, I've noticed when people, especially like with the sun in the first house, like being super self-conscious, like very aware of like how every single one of your actions is coming across. Like, oh my God, did they see my hairs out of place? Does my outfit look good? Like that kind of, that kind of behavior. Yeah. I really like how you said that. Yeah. Constantly thinking about how you come across to other people and that everyone is watching you more closely than they really are. I would just say that. Yeah, even like having a scattered energy about you where you have different needs or and urges pushing and pulling you in different directions. Um, also, the moon is really, if you have the moon in your first house, you're going to maybe be more intuitive or have just deeper emotions or be more reactive without even thinking. It's just more naturally instinctive to you. Yeah, your emotions are just like on display. Like that's something that's just you're showing your feelings immediately and everyone can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wear your heart on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The planets that are placed in the first house kind of influence and taint the rising sign. As an example, if you're a Sagittarius rising, you might not identify with Sagittarius qualities like being really op- open for adventure, for example, if you have Pluto in the first house because it kind of gives you a more Scorpio-like quality to your rising sign where you might identify more so as reserved or self-reflective, secretive. Like You're not as open as a Sag rising without Pluto in the first house would be. So you'd be less spontaneous um, that then people might assume if you just tell them, oh, I'm a Sag rising. Like you also have to take into account what planets are placed there in the first house. Yeah, and like also another example, like if you're an Aries rising, but you have Venus in the first house, like that totally kind of is um, a total contrast with what Aries rising stands for. Like Aries rising is about being independent, like thinking of yourself first, whereas Venus is so 
relationship oriented, like wanting to keep the peace with other people and feeling very mindful of like what someone else's opinions are. So there's definitely that push pull there. If you have like a contrasting planet to your rising sign in the first. Um, and then, so you'll notice when planets transit through the first house, there might be kind of a change with how you perceive yourself and what your personal goals and interests are and what you want to be working towards for just you. Um, so for example, all Taurus risings right now have Uranus in their first house until I think it's like 2026, something like that. Um, so all Taurus risings are learning kind of how to stand up for themselves more, be more independent, developing kind of, um, a greater sense of individuality, um, and having these like very unique personal interests and goals come up. It's a total reworking of how they think about themselves and how they present themselves to the world. Whereas like once a year, at the same time, every year, the sun will go through your first house. And that's like when it's the season of your rising sign. So every year during Leo season, the sun is going through my Leo first house. And that marks a time where you're very focused on yourself, what you're doing next, what your next steps need to be. Mm, Yes. And I think another thing that everyone can just experience on a month-to-month basis with the moon cycle, whenever the moon goes through your ascendant sign or your rising sign, you're going to feel more emotional or maybe you have, since it is such a sensitive point in your chart, the first house, you're just going to maybe not be able to sleep at night. I know for me, like a couple nights ago that happened and it was honestly hard to go to sleep because I have a Gemini rising. So I was just like up thinking about what I need to do next and having new ideas and could not sleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trying to think of another one. Like let's say, so all Gemini and Sagittarius risings right now, they're getting those eclipses across their first and seventh houses. But so if you're a Gemini rising, you recently had a lunar eclipse in your first house on November 30th. So that is really awakening your potential and helping you to discover new parts of yourself and helping you to put yourself out there more and really become more confident and sure of yourself. Like I love eclipses in the first house because they they totally um, change you, honestly. Ah, that so speaks to me, Alice. I love that. Should we move to the second house then? Yes, let's get into the second. Um, So the second house is also about yourself, but it gets into more about how you approach work, what you value, and your feelings of self-worth surrounding your money and your job. So first, I want to look at the financial aspect of the second house because I feel like that's what it's associated with the most. Um, So the second house, like the sign on the second house cusp and the planets placed in the second really show how much emphasis we place on financial security and material items. So for example, I'll notice if you have the sun in the second house, you very much, I don't know, these, I see people with the sun in the second, they like to buy a lot of things and like, um, they take pride in what they own and how much money they're making. It's like tied up in your identity with the sun Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Whereas Venus in the second, again, like likes to splurge on nice things, really probably into fashion and beauty projects, or they like to spend their money on the arts. Um, And then like 
just another example, Jupiter in the second would value spending money on education, travel, experiences that are helping them to grow. So in that way, the second house describes what we value and what we feel is worth working towards and spending our money on in the first place. So that's why some people like like to buy one thing while other people like to save more. Yeah, and I love how you place you emphasize there it's about value. So so many people think it's just about money, but it's it shows your values through what you spend your money on because money is energy in a sense. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And it also describes like your your literal spending habits. Um how one person is able to save a lot more while another person just like cannot keep money in their in their wallet. Um, so like for instance, Neptune in the second is, I don't know, they don't really attach that much value to money and they kind of give it away more freely and they just feel like at one point, one day they'll have money. They don't need to worry about it so much. Whereas Saturn in the second is going to be completely different. Like they like to have control and hold on to their money very tightly and they're probably big savers and like always are conscious of how much is coming in, how much is going out. Yeah, and even Saturn in the second house, it's a very, you know, self-made money maybe or um, feeling maybe restrictions with money. So it shows whatever planets are there are so, so signifying to how you relate to that house themes. Yeah, and then the second is also like your ability to make money and how motivated you are to make money for yourself. So I find when you have a lot of planets in the second, um, needing to work for yourself and being very self-starting and like entrepreneurial, what's the word? Entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> entrepreneurial. I, my mouth cannot say that. Um, yeah. So like, liking to have control over your own work projects and knowing that everything you're doing is bringing in money directly related to you. Yeah, I feel like a lot of emphasis on the second house is like this person needs to work for themselves. (laughs) Yeah, and like transits to the second will very much activate that. So if you have a planet like Saturn, Jupiter, the eclipses hitting your second house right now, maybe you're feeling inclined to leave your job, start your own business, start work, start working for yourself and changing the approach to how you make money. And also like along with that, the second house is very tied into like your self-esteem and what you believe you deserve for yourself. Yes. So this Yeah, this can apply to like both your work life and your personal life. I've just noticed like when, I guess this is like a little off topic, but I've noticed when you stand up for yourself, like in your love life, you get more money and vice versa. When you stand up for yourself at work, your dating standards are are raised as well. Um, I definitely feel like both of those things are second house themes. Like how willing, you go on. Yeah, no, it's like what you value and then also valuing yourself and knowing you're worthy of having that money and you're worthy of spending it and all of those things. Like it all comes from how much you value yourself and are able to stand in your worth. I love what you said there. Yeah, it's like how much are you willing to stand up for yourself and like get the appreciation and money or respect in a relationship for your efforts? So definitely personal life and work life there too. 
Mm-hmm. And it can even be the values that you have and that you really hold as, okay, this is who I am. Like I'm someone who's trustworthy or I'm someone who, you know, has X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And sometimes that's completely different from like what your parents taught you growing up. Like I see with Pluto in the second, it's needing to do like a total rehaul of what their values are. Cause they feel like it's not even related to what their parents were telling them. Um, yeah. And like, yeah. Canc- I have cancer in the second house. So I feel that nurturing is something I hold so dear to me, like needing to be considerate of other people. Like that being so such a core value of mine I didn't even think about it that way because like I have Virgo second house and it's like hygiene oh my gosh yes super you shower twice a day so, I'm yeah I'm obsessed with being super clean not it's like not even like clean in my house it's like my body has to always be like super clean oh my gosh that's so true to like the second house because it's more closely it's closer to the ascendant too so it's just more about yourself that's interesting yeah yeah and even too you're so detail oriented which again is virgo so yeah so i feel like that's like a common misconception with um second house is just that it's all about making money and being rich um when it's when it's more about like feelings of self-esteem and what you value too yeah okay and then on to the third house yeah so the third house is the first kind of relationship oriented house in the chart it shows how you interact with your immediate everyday environment and how you communicate and share your ideas and opinions with people um basically like what your everyday social skills are and how you're able to make conversation did you want to like, um, yeah. So like a huge theme is it's about communication. So it shows your individual communication styles and that can be like how you speak, even how you write, how you interact with people, not even like non-verbally. It's everything to do with like getting yourself to interact with the world and other people. Yeah. So like a Scorpio third house is not going to like to socialize and be as open to forming new connections as much as a um what's a social sign like a gemini third house yes that would be super super (laughs) social yeah but yeah like air fire signs maybe more so more open yeah so the sign on the cusp of the third house and the planets in the third will give further clues into your individual communication style um i'm trying to think of like another example like i have Jupiter in the third and yes I love that and you have so such a variety of friends too like you're always connecting with people yeah that yeah that is very true like I love having I love texting with people and having a constant stream of communication because Jupiter is very much a planet that can overdo it sometimes so I feel like I'm the person that texts back to friends like immediately like within five seconds and I get really I get frustrated when people don't do the same you know (laughs) what does that say about me I have Leo in the third house so I feel like that's definitely wanting to like be out there more like but yeah I'm not always the best at texting people back right away something I'm working on I feel like Leo in your third house is you are very tied to your opinions and you feel like they're a constant they're like a Um, extension of who you are so you might be 
honestly more careful about what you say because it's like your pride is tied into the opinions and ideas you're expressing so true I also have my IC running through my through Leo so it's doubly true yes (laughs) yeah and then also the third house describes the early school environment um the ninth house which we'll get to later on in this episode, that's more of higher education, like college and grad school, like education where you're specializing in a specific topic. Whereas the third house is more about like practical learning, like getting the basics down. So that would encompass like elementary, middle school, high school. Um, yeah. And also, also, yeah, the third house would reflect how you acted at school when you were younger so were you shy or were you outgoing like did you speak up in class was it easy or difficult to make friends on the playground yeah was learning easy for you or was it difficult yeah so someone with like mercury in the third might have been a really quick learner like they were able to pay attention to really detailed things in in class whereas neptune in the third probably is not so great with subjects like math and science like they have a more artistic mind so they probably excelled at like drama or um art class Mm -hmm. yeah and I think this is so interesting if I ever had children someday I would want to look to see their third house like what do they have there how can I help them yeah like so like if I had a kid with um like Neptune in the third house or like maybe the moon something like that where it's more sensitive I would probably not send them to a practical high school where they're forced to like sit through science and history classes I'd be like you're going to art school yes exactly Chiron in the third you are going to Montessori (laughs) oh my god wait why is that like Chiron in the third house I feel like those people are so creatively minded like maybe it's because it's an like a ruler of Virgo, which is also so creative. But those people, I feel like, are so criticized in their early education, and and it's just like the, it becomes a source of feeling insecure in how smart they are. For example, when like as they grow, education gets easier, and then you know, it's something you like kind of grow out of and then you realize, well, if this kid was in a school that helped them creatively express themselves, they would have thrived so much sooner even, like really developing their strengths. That is literally my sister to a T. Like she was so not listened to, like as the middle child growing up, she felt like no one heard her. No one cared about what she had to say. Um, and then as she got older, she like really found her niche with like filmmaking, yes. something more artistic. Oh, I love that. And see, like I love when you can see such clear examples of how like knowing your birth chart is so important because then it just helps you to understand yourself and know like, okay, this is, this might feel difficult now, but like you can move yourself into a situation that's more helpful to you. Yeah. And I would say also like, Another thing with the third house is if you have a lot of planets there, um, overthinking and feeling like anxious or very restless is probably a trait you might have. Um, You definitely need an outlet for all of your mental energy. Like I feel with third house people, they're constantly connecting with friends like me, like always texting back immediately or like addicted to social media or more constructively like reading, writing, like learning something. 
kind of always needing to engage your mind in something. Yeah, or feeling like you it's not enough, like you need to continuously do it when really like you are you have to realize when you are ready and just make that leap of faith. Mhm. And then just yeah, with a um third house is very much about like quick forms of communication. So usually um transits through the third will cause you to want to start like a blog a podcast um start sharing more on social media like very more casual styles of writing and getting in speaking and getting your ideas out there in a way that's easy for other people to understand so definitely take note of when planets go through your third and see how you may feel urged to like write or learn um more intensely than before Lastly, siblings and the relationship that you had with them, kind of how you saw the relationship played out and what maybe your role was in the family dynamic can be indicated by the third house. Yeah, so I have Jupiter in the third and I had like four sisters. Um, It was a big family, big extended family. Um, And I view my sisters as like my best friends. So there was like a very good positive experience with my siblings with Jupiter there I've noticed a lot like um I guess our generation that has Uranus and Neptune both in Capricorn so someone with a Capricorn third house I see that with that Uranus and Neptune there there's like stepsisters stepbrothers um half siblings like a lot of kind of different unusual relationships with the siblings interesting And that kind of takes us to the fourth house, actually, because the fourth house is more so about your family and your home. The fourth house is when you're looking at your birth chart, the very bottom of your birth chart. So just like it's the bottom of your birth chart, it shows kind of the foundations of who you are, like what makes you you at your core at like a subconscious almost level. So it's your emotional self and it's based on like how you grew up. What was your home life like? How What was your relationship with your mom and your dad? Yeah, the fourth house, like the sign on the fourth, fourth house cusp and planets in the fourth really show fi- family dynamics. And even if that isn't like how your parents felt the relationship was, it's like how you viewed your parents, like very personal to you, like your interpretation of family. And I think that's so interesting because, I mean, Alice and I, we both have a lot of sisters. (laughs) Um, And it's interesting to think how everyone obviously has a different perception of their home life or their parents or their relationship with people. Like, and it just goes to show you that everyone, you cannot take anything personally because your birth chart shows how everyone just perceives things differently based on their own selves. Mm -hmm. There are similarities between me and my sister's chart. Like we all have kind of the same ties in with the moon, like which shows that like we all had a similar mother figure and we all had similar perceptions of her, which is interesting. Um, But definitely, yeah, the sign on the fourth and the planets there show the general atmosphere at home growing up. Um, And if it was difficult or if it was loving and supportive. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe if you have, um, I don't know, I'm thinking like Scorpio there would be maybe a more intense home life or Virgo there more critical. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like with like Libra there, 
very loving, balanced, like got along probably with your parents. Um, whereas like Capricorn there or Saturn in the fourth means you were probably the mature one, like taking care of your parents. Or maybe your parents put a lot of expectations on you to be like someone that was getting really good grades and had a lot of responsibilities. So you felt that like need to take on more within the home sphere growing up. And also just to note, we're using mother and father here, but of course, like that isn't everyone's situation. And so it's kind of, you can look at it as who your impactors were. So what was the dominant figure of like feminine energy that you looked up to or the nurturer that might in astrology more so mesh with the maternal figure or the mother? And then Likewise, with the father, what was kind of the masculine energy figure that maybe you looked up to? So it could be a neighbor or a grandparent or, you know, there's so many different um, combinations there. Yeah, I usually associate the fourth with the mom. I know sometimes it's flipped with other astrologers, but like for me, it's just made so much sense with the mom and what her personality was like. So that's the one I reference the most. Yeah, and I think traditionally that's also how it is. So it makes sense. Um, And also, it's important to note, too, for the fourth house, if you believe in reincarnation, then it kind of has karmic ties of past lives, even. So that's, if you're interested in that, you could use the fourth house to get some more information on past lives. And also, like, what kind of behavior has been carried through generations through your family? Um, So, for instance, maybe if you have family trauma in your chart, maybe it's that your parents underwent that with their own parents and so on and so forth. And, like, maybe it's up to you to break that pattern. Um, So looking into that more. And it's really interesting when you see, like, if you look in your mom's chart or your grandma's chart or any of these people who are your family, you can see even similar patterns um, that aren't always necessarily something shiny and bright and positive. So looking to see, okay, like, how can I kind of break that pattern and move into something that's more positive for the future? Yeah. And then also what I wanted to add with the fourth is in addition to family, it's also how you treat your own living space and how you may act around roommates or um, just like how you act at home. So yeah. like I have Scorpio and Pluto in the fourth house and I very much need control <laughs> over my home space. I've had like so I've had so many issues with roommates because I just feel like they're too in my space and it's I have to have control over everything. So eventually I just gave up and I was like, I need to live alone. (laughs) (laughs) And you also brought up a good point too. It's also your deepest needs. So it's those parts about yourself that you, for some reason, and it's probably related to your early childhood life, but you just find this as your normal. Like this is what your normal is or what you need based on your childhood growing up. Like maybe what you didn't get that you need in this lifetime. Yeah, and how you can better nurture yourself. I feel like when planets transit through the fourth house, there's a reckoning with how childhood was and like how the relationship was with your parents. And especially with Saturn, um, I've noticed like with so many clients and in my own life, they really figure out like how to separate themselves from their parents and their past conditioning and like start off on their own and like have a new life for themselves. Um, usually that involves like a move somewhere. Mm. And I think one last thing I was thinking to add to the fourth house is 
it's also kind of your sense of self, but I feel like it's a part of you that you can kind of get down on yourself really easily for. So I know whenever the moon is transiting my fourth house, it is like a deeply emotional, um, very critical on myself time of the moon cycle. So just noting that house. Yeah, like fourth house transits bring up so many emotions, I feel like. Um, When the sun goes through there, it's always this period of being, like needing to retreat from everything and just focus on being by myself at home. Um, And sometimes it brings up like repressed feelings from the past that you haven't wanted to look at for a while. And that can trigger like a lot of emotional stuff coming up at once. Mm, Yeah, like if you have, for example, Aquarius in the fourth house, you might feel just this like, maybe even other people don't see this part of you or this kind of insecurity, but you might just always feel like in the back of your mind, like you're not belonging or you feel left out, even when it doesn't make like, like everything points to examples of how no, you're totally included, but it just keeps coming back as like this story you're telling yourself. So learning to break that story. Yeah, I love that. And then that brings us to the fifth house, which is associated with self-expression and creativity. It's kind of like, how does your personality come out and shine the most? Um, So people with a lot of fifth house planets, they may always need some kind of like creative hobby to feel more fulfilled or feel like they're putting all of their energy into like their passion project. Like maybe they have like a website that's completely their own or like they're a painter and their creative works are kind of like their baby. Um, And then the fifth house is literally children too. So what I I see a lot when like people have their son in the fifth, they're often like a teacher and they like to work with kids or they're just like very good at like communicating with kids in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also feel like we, if you have planets there, a big focus of your life is also to make sure you're doing that healing work with your inner child. Or if you have transits that pass through the fifth house like that gets stimulated so it's really important to like you know dive into that inner child work um and making sure you give yourself what you need and nurture yourself how you need to be nurtured and give yourself fun and time for fun and playfulness and take life not so seriously all the time yeah it's like learning with the fifth house it's like learning not to care about what other people think so much and really like learning to love yourself. I know that sounds cliche, but like that is essentially the fifth house. Like you with a ton of planets are like, you have got to own like your unique qualities. Yeah. You're a unique um, self-expression. I love that Alice. And then also another significator is romance is the fifth house. So how you approach dating and also like how open you are about sharing like being affectionate with a partner or how you express those feelings of like, I like you to someone. Mm, Yes. And I also just to differentiate too, between like the seventh house more, like it's romance. Like you said, that is dating. So it's kind of how you approach more transitory dating, I guess. I don't want to say transitory. It's how you approach. Like casual dating. Or like it's like the fifth house might be how you flirt and like meet someone initially. And then when things progress to the seventh house, it's like, okay, let's have more commitment. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like very light and fun and playful, the fifth houses. So the sixth house is 
The sixth house is how you are of practical help to other people. So that could be through your work, through projects that you do, and it's also how you help yourself with your routine, like little daily habits that you have to make yourself feel more fulfilled. Yeah, like the sixth house is very much like how you go about your day-to-day tasks and also like how efficient you are, how you manage your time. I feel like when a big transit like Saturn or um, Uranus or what's another one, Jupiter goes through the sixth house, it's like, am I managing my time correctly and how can I be more efficient with my work? And also it has to do with how can you literally like self-care if like if The fifth house is about self-love. The sixth house is all about self-care. So like routines, but also like honestly looking at what am I feeding myself? Is this healthy? A lot of the times when you have transits going through there, like you said, you're just like, for me personally, it, it was like that for me where I was just like, okay, I need to stop drinking alcohol, for example. Like it wasn't healthy for me. Like it wasn't helping me in any way. Yeah, it's kind of like purifying the physical body and like really treating your body with care and being so conscious of what you're eating and drinking. Like I definitely cut back drinking too when Saturn went through my six. Isn't that so weird? And then it's crazy. And I, every time I speak to someone who has like a Saturn return in the sixth house, they're like, yeah, I stopped drinking <laughs> during my Saturn return. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then yeah also eating yeah like you mentioned Maxine like eating a lot healthier just being really mindful of what you're putting into your body like exercise too yeah and sometimes it's like exercise that like feels good to you that it's like like sometimes it can be like slower yeah like yoga where it's not like just trying to count calories and burn off all your fat it's like how can I actually do something that brings my body like calmness yes how can I like mind body exercises connection yeah um I have noticed though with like six house people especially if they have like a planet like Neptune there it's kind of like giving selflessly to others and having it hard to like set boundaries with how much work they're doing for other people and sometimes they may end up giving like all of their energy away to someone else absolutely as someone with a stellium in the sixth house I'm like yes (laughs) definitely identify so like kind of being aware like really getting like noticing I I mean for me with so many planets there it's like I sometimes forget how much energy I'm giving away so freely like to other people or to things that don't even light me up you know so like really taking stock if you have a lot of planets there of where your energy is going and if it isn't feeding you like really questioning how much effort going forward you want to put into that and also with the sixth house being also work influence kind of like the work you're doing in your day-to-day life rather than the 10th house which is what are you going to do more long term with your career goals um anyways like the sixth house is how like I find when people have a lot of planets there they often have a career or a job where they're serving other people like through wellness activities like a massage therapist or like a yoga teacher something like that or a nutritionist where they're helping other people become healthier yeah or even like therapists like something with the mind mm-hmm. yeah six six and seventh house um a lot of planets there is like such a therapist indicator and then another thing with six house transits that come up a lot is 
really being hit with a ton of work and feeling kind of very stressed out by work every day. But the purpose of these transits is really to refine your skills in a particular area and become like super good at what you're doing with work because that prepares you for the seventh house transit when planets come above the descendant line and your work is taken more public and you have to interact with other people. So this is like the final stage of really getting your life in order before you get more public. Yeah, I love how you added that. That's really good, Alice. Um, And then just to kind of sprinkle these last ones in, it also has to do with coworkers, pets, like people and animals that you would interact with every day today, like on the day to day. Small animals basically is what I find. Big animals is a 12th house. (laughs) If you have an (laughs) elephant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like a a horse. Yeah. (laughs) I think in traditional astrology, horse is like 12th house. Yes. Where sixth house is like dog cat. Yes. That's so interesting. Yeah. And so that brings us to the seventh house, which is, it marks like a new cycle of the chart because it's above the horizon line, above the ascendant and descendant axis. And it's all about how you interact in your close one-on-one relationships. So if you have a lot of seventh house planets or even like one or two, um, bouncing your ideas off someone else is probably a big theme in your life. And you may always be like looking to someone else before you make a big decision for yourself or kind of like realizing your own goals through seeing what someone else is doing first. Um, And it could be that like you find your identity and you really find yourself through long-term or closer, more intimate relationships. Um, And also with work, like kind of enjoying more success when you're partnering up with work or where you have a job where you're working closely one-on-one with people like we said like therapist I mean not always therapist but something where there's that close interaction yeah and I also wanted to add with that so I love what you said about how you kind of like learn and develop your own self through other people so it's kind of important that you through that you're teasing out like what is that person's and what is mine like so you're not just merging with that other person but you're really like using them as a kind of reflection of yourself but also being able to differentiate yourself like not becoming so enmeshed with the other person that you can't see apart from yourself yeah like I have three planets in the seventh I have Saturn Sun and Mercury and like when I'm in a relationship, I forget who I am. Like, it's like my identity's gone, which is kind of like why I need to be single. But, um, and then being single like, helps you so that way when you are in a relationship, like anyone with seventh house planets, it's like, okay, being single for a while can be really helpful because then you fully understand, like, who you are and what you bring to the relationship. And, like, your self confidence is like through the roof for that. Could not have put that better. Yeah. And yeah, so transits through the seventh house are obviously going to activate relationships in your life. So business relationships, um, maybe you're forming like a close partnership or collaborating closely with someone at your job. Or it could be that if you're single, like a relationship enters your life um, and you're suddenly partnered up. Or it could be if you're already married or you have a significant other, having to put more focus into the relationship and 
maybe there's like a period of like a lot of growth going on where you feel like more bonded and more close with the person or taking it to that next step and getting engaged or married if you're just like already in a relationship yeah is there anything else we need to add to the seven no I just I love that you also added again like it's not always just like people be like oh like I'm getting married seventh house but it also has to to do with business partnerships close friendships like so expanding the definition of like it's not like that love that you have for other people I think it's a really beautiful thing too if you already are in a relationship to think about like how can I expand this love to not just romantic partnerships but to other people in my life like not always seeing romantic like not always seeing love as romantic you know like it can be just with your friends and like opening up more. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Like with people with a lot of seventh house planets, um, thriving better in one-on-one scenarios and not liking huge group events so much. Yes, definitely. Like it's really about that like close connection. Yeah, there. and like wanting that depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, should we move on to the eighth? Yes, the, the eighth, eighth house. Is, yeah. Alice. <laughs> The eighth is kind of a continuation of the seventh because it basically takes partnerships to the next level. It's like, okay, you've established your partnership. Now let's like merge our money. Let's merge resources and let's get more intimate with each other. So with the eighth house, if you have planets there, it could be that you, let's, the most kind of basic interpretation is like shared finances. So it's like, maybe you're able to make more money by partnering up with people or it could be that you inherit a lot of money in your life or money comes to you from other people rather than just like your immediate job that you're doing or like through marriage like you get a lot more money when you get married um and then also eighth house is like stepping up the intimacy with someone and really like opening up and sharing more of your life beyond just like the surface level um, so obviously this plays a role in like intimate romantic relationships, but also like when you're going to see a therapist and really sharing like past trauma, pain, emotions, like that eighth house is often associated, like when people have transits through there, it's like they start going to therapy more. Yes, definitely. Like it's all about self-transformation, like healing yourself, big healing energy for the eighth house. There's, yeah, the transformation aspect of the eighth. It's like you're constantly evolving into a new version of yourself every few years. Um, like I have my moon and my Venus there and it, I don't feel like I'm the same person I was three years ago. And before that, I wasn't the same person I was three years ago before that. It's like always pushing yourself to realize like new facets of your personality that you can improve upon. Like self-improvement never ends with the eighth house. I could, yes, exactly. And so I feel like this is where kind of the negative reputation can come from for eighth house or like even Scorpio for that matter. But it's just like, no, it's like just showing you the potential that you have to like transmute your past. So it's not a death, but it's always like about rebirth more. Yeah, definitely. Like when there's, if even if you don't have planets in the eighth and you have a transit come along there, it definitely is like a rebirth as you realize everything negative you need to cut out of your life yes and that agreed huge boundaries yeah and like having eighth house planets it's very much like 
black and white with your relationships. Like someone wronged me, goodbye, you're done. Like I never want to talk to you again. It's like they are so quick to cut people out. Uh, There was something else I wanted to say about the eighth, um, the theme of control. So I feel like if you have planets there, kind of the more challenging side of eighth house planets is feeling like you need to be in control of everything all of the time. Um, so there's that part and then learning, there's like a turning point in an eighth house person's personality when they learn that they cannot control everything. And usually this is like them going through some kind of hard crisis where they're forced to let go of something in their life. Um, and that's, they really learn and grow more through learning how to let go repeatedly. Mm, Yes. And so, yeah, just, I was going to talk about the same thing, like power. So for example, if you have Saturn in the eighth house in your natal chart, you might feel like a lesson in your life that keeps coming up for you is, okay, I have to release control. Like I can't, like kind of being able to, again, like in intimate partnerships or with other people, making sure that you're not always the one with power, like sharing that. Yeah, that's something I definitely struggle with, with Venus and Moon there, like intimate relationships. It's like I cannot give up control. Yeah, and it's it's kind of also about like, it depends what planets you have there, of course, because like if it's a moon that you have there, it's more about like feeling secure. So it's coming from a place of like, you know, I just need this to feel secure in some way. And like craving deeper connections, like really wanting to go to the next level with like other people in your life, like maybe not liking shallow conversation kind of wanting to talk about oh yeah that's another theme we haven't talked about is like eighth house being like obsessed with darker more taboo subjects like they love to talk about like psychology and like human behavior and maybe topics that um surround like life and death like what happens to you after you die (laughs) what no no I was saying like that's totally you (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, so that's definitely eighth house stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, It's not a house to be scared of. I feel like so many people are scared of the eighth house, and it's like, no. Yes, exactly. I agree, because, like, it just allows you to see things so much more clearly, too. Like, transits through there is like, oh, my gosh, they just put a spotlight on all the darkness, and now you finally feel free. Mm Mm-hmm. Which takes us to our next house. I feel like when... With transits, when it comes from the eighth to the ninth house, it's like, whoa, like I feel so much lighter. Oh my gosh, this is me (laughs) right now. Yeah, yeah. You just came out of the eighth house one. Yeah, so Saturn's finally in the ninth and I couldn't be happier. (laughs) Um, But so the ninth house, it has to do with kind of, it's about learning like the third houses, but it's more has to do with learning things that are like almost exploring different subjects in a more like higher education perspective or more cultural perspective so if the third house is associated with more early education the ninth house would be like going back to school you know like for your master's or for college for example um so it has to do with learning it can also be teaching So if you have a lot of planets there, you might naturally just find yourself in that role of like communicating information in like a very teacher, teacherly way, or that might be your job. 
like even if these people aren't or if you even if you have a ton of ninth house planets and you aren't a literal teacher it's probably like you're always giving your opinion on something you're always like lecturing people that kind of energy yes and you also have to be mindful that you're not like putting your beliefs pushing them on people I guess um because the ninth house is like your philosophy and attitude toward life and your beliefs um so it's really it any planets there can kind of influence that part of yourself yeah so um with ninth house a lot of ninth house planets it's kind of I see people who are very um tied to their religion and have like strong beliefs there or they're interested in like spirituality like astrology um or human design like subjects like that but anything they whether it's religion or something more occult like astrology it's like they have to find something that explains like the bigger picture of life to them where they feel like they're connected to something way bigger than themselves that's like how they find themselves and feel more fulfilled Mm -hmm. and it's more about too like I love what you added there because it has to do with ideas like it's not just facts and figures like it's more these like philosophical discussions that they just thrive on like they love asking questions and like that don't have direct black and white answers you know yeah like why am I here like what's the purpose of life Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff yeah and so like foreign cultures come into play there too because They might like to travel, for instance, or just like read up about different countries, like how they're doing things, Um, just being super curious about other people and different ways of life. Yeah, like travel definitely puts everything into perspective for them and forces them to keep um, more of an open mind about other cultures and their how they go about life. And then did we talk about writing with the ninth house? Because that's like a big. Okay, yeah, that's a big placement with writers and wanting to get your work published and out there so if you have ninth house planets definitely consider writing even if it might scare you sometimes um when I have a client and they have ninth house planets I'm like do you write and they're like no it's something that's always scared me and I'm like you need to go for it like this is the key yeah I love that because like the third house would be more okay so I want to write but then the ninth house is helping you get it out there and having the public eye on you yeah, I think of like third house as like articles that are easily digested, like um, like something I wrote recently, like 10 things you know if you're an Aquarius, like something you just read and then like forget about. Whereas a ninth house, the ninth house emphasis on writing is more about like novels, um, <laughs> bigger picture, idea- yeah, like textbooks, bigger picture, definitely novels, um, yeah. Does that explain that? Yeah, that's perfect. That's a good way of looking at it. And then the 10th house. Yeah, so 10th house kind of builds upon the 9th house. It's like, okay, you've established what you believe in. How are you going to apply that to your long-term career goals and where you want to be with your life path? Um, So the 10th house is about career and it's not just the work you're doing every day, like the sixth house. It's more about like, where do I want to be in my whole life with my career? Um, And it's also about how other people see you, usually tied into work. So people with a 10th house sun or Jupiter, like maybe they're in the public eye a lot more than the usual person because of their career. Um, And their personality is really comes out when they're putting in the hard work and going after their career goals. 
Yeah, and I, I love what you said, too, about it being a career and also just, like, the long-term goals. So, like, the 10th house, if you don't identify with that sign or placements, it might also be because this is, like, what you're striving for. This is what you want out of life. You're working toward it. Yeah, and then the 10th house is another house that's on that, like, family home axis. So... Usually it's like the fourth house describes one parent and the 10th house describes the other. Um, In my readings, I usually look at the 10th for the father relationship. Um, So I'll notice if someone has like Neptune in the 10th, maybe their dad wasn't like fully around or just kind of a little emotionally distant. Um, Yeah. Do you have a way of like reading that? Yeah. So so basically, so I love what you said about, so basically like the the impactors in your life so it can be your parents but it could also be someone who fulfilled that you know quote-unquote fatherly figure or maternal figure for you um and the 10th house is more like I think it is typically associated with the father because like the 10th house is out in the world so like you know the father if he kind of connects you to society and shows you how you relate with society then you might identify with the 10th house being related to your father figure or whereas like the fourth house is the home so maybe it's the parent who is more at home like I see people who so typically like it would be 10th house maybe it's the father but it also like it's getting to be more fluid you know so yeah that's that's a a good point also like the 10th house is how you um act with authority figures like if you have uranus or like mars in the 10th you are not gonna want to listen to orders from people it's like you need to be your own boss and in charge of everything yourself like immediately <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to think and of another... oh, also you just made me remind you reminded me of that so like if you have Uranus there too, you'd have really unorthodox thinking. Like you'd be super progressive because like the 10th house is how you do with authority, but also like the status quo. Interesting. Yeah, that's so true. And also like what career is best suited for you is definitely signified by planets in the 10th and the sign on the 10th house um, in the midheaven line. I've noticed a lot, again, going back to like Uranus in the 10th or Aquarius on the 10th house. It's like sometimes the person really doesn't know exactly what they're good at because they have like multiple talents and it's hard for them to like settle into like one specific career path. And that's okay. Oh my gosh, Alice, Um, you're speaking to me right now because the 10th house for me is Pisces. So it's like, you know, Pisces is very like up in the air, fluid, flows with things. So... And you're doing a spiritual type career, Pisces, like where you're sharing emotions with people yes, and helping them. Yeah, I have Taurus 10th house and that definitely explains why I was initially drawn to like a career in fashion because Taurus is associated with like nice things Aesthetics. and wanting to look yeah. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also with the Taurus, it's a fixed sign. So very much needing control over my own work which is why it's better off that I work for myself. Yes, that's a good point. And why you're succeeding at it too, because it, like Taurus for business is amazing to have in the 10th house. Yeah, I'd say like the earth signs in the 10th really like know how to strategize for the long term. Mm, definitely like building solid foundations. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the 11th house, um, uh, like all of these houses, again, like you'll have noticed as Alice, you were pointing it out really well, but they all build on the ha- sign before it. So the 11th house then is kind of putting yourself out there even further. Like maybe you, through your career, establish like a community of something related to your career so for example if it's like astrology then it'd be like a community with astrology in it um so it's kind of has to do with community or friends or kind of like groups of people more broadly so it's not just that intimate one-on-one relationship you're really like getting a crowd of people together with like shared hopes and dreams and like maybe progressive or original orthodox unorthodox thinking yeah i've noticed like with celebrities that have a a lot of 11th house planets they usually have like followers that are obsessed with them and like worship them because it's like their following looks up to them so much and also with transits through the 11th house, I notice people will get like an increase in social media followers and suddenly a lot more people are paying attention to them. Mm, cool. That's an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, like your social life, right? So it can be especially interesting. You were, I was thinking because the 11th house is also associated with technology. So like social life, social media, like it all has to do with one another people who have an 11th house planet or more kind of thrive in group settings. Like I'll notice they were in a sorority or some kind of club at college and they're able to kind of balance like all those relationships and make sure other people are being like treated fairly in social situations. Super important. Yeah. Like inclusivity. And like also opportunities in their life often come through who they know like their friends will provide that like necessary support for them to accomplish their goals Mm, yeah so that's like if you have a lot of planets there you're not made to just go through this life alone like no one is but in that sense it'd be like you're gonna definitely want to network and sometimes like putting your own needs aside in order for like the greater good of the group like kind of moving away from being so self-focused to more community oriented mm-hmm. very um, humanitarian so sometimes like too. yeah like backing causes you're super passionate about that's like an 11th house mm-hmm. thing yeah very like selfless kind of energy and then also like um with 11th house planet sometimes these people will get like so caught up in thinking about the future that they find it hard to stay grounded in like the present moment because they're always thinking of like how they can do something better further on down the line or how things might play out so um, accurate so accurate Alice yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah did you have anything else about the 11th no I think that we covered it pretty well um but yeah, definitely, I would also, just one more thing, it, if you have a lot of planets there too, like really, you might be more optimistic or less, like depending upon what planets are there. Yeah, like, um, for instance, like Saturn in the 11th is going to be like, maybe you're, it takes a while for you to tap into like your group mentality, maybe like large groups or something that's a little scary to you, but after your Saturn return, really coming into that part of yourself, and also, I would say Pluto there would do that too. So more selective or fearing about opening up too much to 
friends. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, and then so the 12th house, this is the last house. We've made it all the way through the circle. <laughs> um, yeah. So the 12th house is very misunderstood. So we talked about kind of how the 8th house is so misunderstood, and I think the 12th house might even be more so because it literally is about the hidden, the subconscious, your it's kind of has to do with higher power and like your mystical awareness so your connection to spirit and how you view that so it's also has a lot to do with just like you want to keep this part of yourself maybe private or you have a lot of subconscious it's more subconscious so it's not something you can easily access yeah, I find like when people have like their moon in the 12th, it's hard for them to access their own emotions or even understand why they feel the way they do. And sometimes they'll just like hide their feelings their whole life, which is like they need to tap into that. Yeah, so like hiding your feelings or also like just genuinely not like you said, they haven't yet tapped into it or it takes them so much more effort to tap into that. So like really giving yourself a ton of time by yourself if you have 12th house planets at all. Like, it's definitely important that you give yourself that solitude um, just so that way you can really be alone with yourself and understand better what you need and what helps you aside from other people. I also find, like, the 12th house is another house of, like, selflessly giving to others, like the six. Um, It might just be in a way that's kind of, like, less obvious. Like, maybe you're always the friend that's giving away advice, Um Or you may love doing, like, community service activities. I guess that's not so subtle. Um, But, yeah, I find there has to be, like, a connection with, like, giving your energy to something. Something greater than than yourself, yourself, right? Like, so you want your goals to not just be affecting you or, like, the person in front of you. You want it to be, like, a wider, uh, like, a wider, like, something higher than you. So it could be literally something connected with spirituality or it could be like you said community service like something that is not just benefiting you and with 12th house planets you naturally have like very intuitive um like you would naturally have a stronger intuition like you can easily pick up on how other people are feeling and maybe that's overwhelming a lot of the time so that's why you need to spend time alone to recharge your batteries and really like reset your energy yes exactly and so like listening to music for example like nice calm music or whatever you fancy I guess but just something that can kind of get you into that peaceful relaxed state so that way you can really like recharge yourself so it's it's not that you don't enjoy being with other people but it's that it really takes a lot out of you and you need to feel like you're lit up inside first before sharing yourself with others Yeah, I feel like meditation um, is really good for 12th house placements, like finding, like connecting to your inner self more. And then also like maybe doing something before you like go out into like public for a long time where you're protecting your energy. I don't know if there's like a meditation that you can do for that. Yeah, so I like myself, I have a 12th house stellium as well. And so it's like whenever I leave the house I like literally have to pause and take a breath um shielding exercises so like envisioning 
white light surrounding you and protecting you is super important, um, especially if you live in like a big city like New York City like we do. Um, because other people's energies, you're just so much more sensitive to them that it can so easily affect you if you haven't properly protected your energies. Like you're so much more energetically aware. Um, and be almost because you are so energetically aware, it's also important to do things that help you to Im- like fully embody your body. Like you're almost so spiritual that you need to do things like yoga or like dancing or, you know, doing exercise that helps you be like, oh, I need to ground myself in my body. Yeah. And also going back to how things, planets in the 12th are like hidden, um, depending on the planet, that's like, so like if you have Mars there, I have Mars there and it's, I keep my anger and frustration very hidden from other people. I find it very hard to confront and like talk about why I'm upset with someone. Whereas if you have like Venus there, if you have a crush on someone, you're not going to let them know. Like it's going to be like you keep those romantic feelings to yourself a lot. Um, And it's just, it might be just hard to talk about when you like someone to their face. Yeah, hard to open up and like, and also you kind of like the mystery maybe too. So like, like, yeah, like maybe you, maybe you kind of like the distance that comes with relationships. I find that 12th house Venus is very much like romanticizing, like a what if type of fantasy, but not wanting to maybe face the reality so much. Yes, definitely. Um, And you also made me think too, like a lot of healing can happen in the 12th house. So it might point to certain planets and their energies can point to what kind of what parts of yourself that you need to access and then heal so like if if something's in there like your your son is there for example I have that (laughs) um just making sure that you're seeing like looking into what the sun represents like your self-expression like showing yourself to the world like not always hiding yourself but being okay with um putting yourself out there for example Yeah, and transits through the 12th. So the sun will go through your 12th house every single year, like once, um, or the same time of year every single year. And that often marks a time of just like feeling very alone. And it could be that like hidden information comes to light. Like maybe you find out that someone is not who you thought they were. Um, or it's like some kind of secret comes up or you're forced to confront all these emotions you've been suppressing the whole rest of the year. So 12th house will really shine a light on everything that's hidden. 12th house transit. Yeah, definitely. So, and that goes for obviously any planet that's transiting that. Um, so it's just super important to be aware of like the 12th house and how it affects you. I know for me personally, a lot of limiting beliefs come up with transits to the 12th. So like looking at where you self-sabotaging, where your kind of conditioned beliefs that you have about yourself, how are they getting in the way of your, like who you're meant to be and how can you just clear that so that way you can make sure that you're putting your, you're doing yourself the favor of basically clearing that so that way you can live your best life. Yeah, yeah. So is that, I feel like that's everything for the 12th. Yes, I think so too. There's just so much to be said about all of these houses. So like, please don't think this is everything about them, but it's a pretty good, pretty good um, look at each one. Yeah. And just like a little bit more, it's also important to note 
what sign is on the cusp of each house, especially if you don't have planets in a house. So let's say you have like an empty ninth house. Look to like the outer ring of zodiac signs going around your chart and the whichever one falls like on the slot of the ninth house is going to tell you more about how you approach that house in your life so like I don't have any ninth house planets but Aries is on my ninth house so I I'm like very enthusiastic and kind of like impulsive and like wanting to travel all the time really suddenly um and get my ideas across kind of like aggressively I would say Mm -hmm. sometimes um yeah yeah so definitely identifying the sign on each house cusp Mm -hmm. yeah and like more direct about that too um so like someone who has an Aries third house is going to be maybe more loud about their opinions like putting things more vocally and inserting that Aries energy into that third house that we discussed whereas a Pisces third house is going to be more like inward focus so they might be more into their own thoughts and daydream more or more intuitive like subtly like listening and picking up on information without asking a ton of questions yeah if this is confusing I guess I skipped a step so like let's say you're Aries rising your second house is automatically going to is automatically going to be Taurus and your third house is automatically going to be Gemini and so on like fourth house Cancer fifth house Leo etc whereas if you're a Cancer rising you go from there like your first house is Cancer your second is Leo your third is Virgo and your fourth is Libra and so on so that's also helpful is like counting from the rising sign yeah and this is why again the rising sign is so crucial and it's so important that it's accurate because it will make it basically is the thing that tells you what each house is and what sign is on that house cusp exactly why having the birth time is so important um and then so for example like just having a different sign on a different house cusp like a further example would be like let's look at the seventh house for relationships so if you're a Taurus rising your seventh house would automatically be Scorpio so maybe it's that you're kind of more you need to like keep your controlling behaviors in check in your relationships but you also like crave intensity and you might be pretty picky about who you date like you can be very like either all in or not interested at all in someone whereas someone with a Sagittarius rising is going to have a Gemini seventh house so they may be a little um hesitant to commit in relationships they kind of like to like go back and forth maybe about their feelings for someone Um, but they also like crave intellectual stimulation with a partner like they need someone that they have like really good banter with and can have like witty back and forth conversations Exactly. Um, Yeah. And then so if you have a lot of planets in a particular house, just going back to looking at your chart, um, we kind of talked about each specific house. But if you look at it as a whole, you'll see that there are a lot of planets that are kind of clustered maybe in certain houses. So just thinking more simple, just to simplify, it might be if you have a lot of planets there, greater focus in that area of your life um you might want to put more of that specific energy into that area of your life so pay attention to the themes related to that house and definitely be aware of like when certain transits go through those houses as well yeah because they'll like affect all those all those planets in that one house at once um 
And yeah, again, empty houses are not bad. It's completely normal. I don't think I've ever seen a chart where all 12 houses are full just because like planets like Mercury and Venus are always going to be close to the sun. So they can never be like scattered across the chart. Um, but yeah, with empty houses, you need to pay more attention again to the sign on the cusp of the empty house. And yeah. I think I already said a lot of Yeah, this, I feel like we definitely gonna, got yeah. <laughs> we, we had notes, but it was like we discussed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So just again, just to repeat this as well, or just to add on to that, everyone has all of the 12 size signs in them because all of the tw- 12 signs, of course, are in the 12 houses that we just discussed. So every house corresponds with a sign. So... The beautiful part about this is that you are going to get the chance to experience these different energies. Um, so I know, Alice, we talk about this a lot, but like you, if, if you say, oh, I don't like this certain sign, <laughs> mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah, people will be like, I hate Scorpio or I hate Gemini. Guess what? You have Scorpio and Gemini in your chart. Like maybe Gemini is like how you act in your home and you really don't like to live with Geminis because they like trigger that or something like yes, that. Yes, and like a lot of times like we discuss the houses. So it might be that like go look at what signs you don't like, look at what house they correspond to and it'd be interesting to see like if it's in the 12th house, well maybe it's because you are projecting that feeling onto them of not liking them because you don't allow yourself to express like that hidden part of yourself. I love that. Mm. Love that. Oh, yeah, that that gets into a lot of like relationship astrology, but it's going to be definitely easier to get along with someone when like their planets are in your first house because you feel very understood, like they validate your identity and how you express yourself. Whereas like a 12th house or 8th house, it's definitely um, more hidden and it's hard to access. Mm-hmm. Like Or like uh, if you have... Um- or if maybe that sign is on like the fourth or the tenth, it could like be that person reminds you of some negative, um, you know, either a mom or a dad or someone who influenced you when you're younger. Like maybe those negative experiences back then are being triggered in this person you're meeting now. Yeah. And also definitely look at the fourth house sign that's on that for you, because chances are you're going to have family members who have that sign in their chart. Like I have a Scorpio fourth house. I have no Scorpio planets, but every single person in my family besides me either has like a Scorpio moon, um, a Scorpio rising or like a Scorpio Mars or Mercury. Yeah, that's definitely true for me as well. So it's, it's just so interesting when you like really understand the houses, it puts such and like understanding them in their complexity. So like this, this goes on something we haven't discussed yet actually is like the houses themselves. It's not as easy as just saying like, oh, this will happen. Like, oh, it's going to be about work. Like, no, it could also be about just your daily routine, like adopting more self-care if it's the sixth house. So how the an- energies manifest even can look different. It's like potentials. I was just going to mention kind of like further reading. If you're like particularly interested in knowing all there is to know about the houses, I definitely recommend the book. It's called The 12 Houses by Howard Sesportas. Um, That one's really good. I would say that most astrology books mention something, but yeah, definitely like a full read would be great if you're interested in it. Yeah. 
So should we move on to Q&A? Yes, I love the Q&A. Okay, so question number one, we'll do three of them. Does having multiple planets, five or more, in one sign signify anything? So short answer, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we kind of touched upon this, like having five planets in one house or like a ton of planets in one house is kind of going to be similar to having five plus in one sign because they're all going to fall in the same house and whole sign houses. Um, So yeah, just like a huge concentration of energy into that sign and house of your chart. So there may honestly be a need to go to the opposite sign in the opposite house to escape that energy sometimes like have a balance yes exactly and I so just so you know as well it's called a stellium if you have that many planets clustered in one of the houses and yeah it's definitely asking you to have some balance like Alice said yeah and I as far as like interpreting like which planets to read into the most in that cluster of five in one sign maybe see if like any of those planets are like at the exact degree of one another um because maybe that might overpower like the rest in that stellium Mm -hmm. yeah and that gets into much more complex astrology i would say too like what are your ruling planets like what are more prominent yeah yeah that is that's so true um Yeah, so number two, can you talk about how to read retrograde placements in a birth chart? Yeah, so retrograde, I feel like those planets just take a lot more energy to tap into, and sometimes their energy is directed inwards instead of outwards. So if you have a Venus, if you're born during a Venus retrograde, I notice that sometimes it's hard to tap into like feminine-like qualities if you're a woman, and maybe it's also what is it you kind of like growing because Venus is also friendship and social situations maybe it's like feeling very low self-esteem in social situations and maybe being very shy as a child yeah so it definitely points to like those karmic lessons or that you have an opportunity to kind of develop and dive into and it kind of is almost like a little flag there to say like okay approach these areas of your life with a lot more gentleness and care So, like, I was thinking, too, if you have, like, Mars that's retrograde, it could be, again, like, something about the masculine principle that you're trying to develop more. Or it could also be, like, that you weren't able to express your anger as a child in, like, an open, it wasn't, like, supported. So it can have a lot of different meanings. Yeah, I have Mars retrograde in my chart, and it's like... Oh, yes, again, it's Mar- retrograde and in the 12. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like not a, non-existent. <laughs> but, yeah, just I like all the anger too, right? is like... Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, it's non-existent. <laughs> um, it's energy. All the anger is inside of myself. You would never know when I'm upset with you, but that's something that I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, I on. feel like... And you're a good example of, like, it's not anything you know like oh this is horrible it's retrograde it's like no you get you honestly get so much better at dealing with this it's like going to become your strength if you really hone in on it because I feel like you can see that in yourself also to note I feel like okay so the sun and moon are never going to be retrograde in your chart um the nodes the north and south nodes like those are always going to be retrograde for everyone so you don't pay attention to that I feel like the only retrograde planet's 
to really that are really going to make a noticeable difference are Mercury, Venus, and Mars because like the outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, those all go retrograde for so like a while, like a large part of the year. So like a large part of the population is going to have like a Pluto retrograde in their chart. So it's not as easily noticeable in the personality. Mm. Yeah, like you might notice it within yourself, but the things that are most close to you personally in your heart, you might feel like those personal planets a lot stronger. Yeah. I'm trying to think like have you had experience with someone with mercury retrograde? I know my sister has that one and like she it took her a long time to be like good at school. Like she was always like having really hard time focusing in school when she was younger. So delays with and just like learning even. Delays with learning and communication. Interesting. Yeah, um, I was trying to think of another one, like maybe even an outer planet. Like, for example, if you have, like, maybe if you have Uranus retrograde or, like, then you wouldn't, it might be more difficult for you to assert your individuality. Like, it might be that you have some, like, conditioning that kind of, you know, you're not, it's not something that comes naturally to you or you feel like you need to be more like blend in. So it might be more difficult for you to kind of access that part of yourself and stand up for yourself, things like that, or be different and weird. But I would definitely say like Mercury, Venus, Mars are like way more Mm -hmm. noticeable when they're retrograde. Yes. And also a really good place to start if you're curious about that. And our final question, number three, your thoughts on astrocartography. So astrocartography, Maxine is really the expert here. Like if you want to know about astrocartography, definitely get a reading with her. But do you want to explain that a little further since you're much better at it than I am? Thank you, Alice. So yes, I love astrocartography. It's basically such an amazing tool. Um, If you want to move places and you're considering like moving a greater distance or you're looking for a good place to go on vacation, or if you want to explain like even looking into maybe past life things if you're interested in that. But basically, it shows planetary energy lines running through a map of the world so if you picture a map of the world it will show you where your pluto line is where your mars line is where your sun line is um and so basically it gives you a shift a shift in perspective and energy that kind of resembles the planetary energy so like if you go to a line a moon line then you will feel more at home like you'll feel more in touch with your feminine nature you'll be more at peace there or if you go to a place that has that's Jupiter you'll experience more expansion and more optimism more luck so basically looking at those different lines and where they are in the world explains so much. Um, I'm so glad that they gave us this question because I love astrocartography yeah. so much. I definitely love a good sun line. I go on vacation to Italy, which is my sun line like every year. Um, I would definitely say like Saturn-Pluto lines are difficult. I would not, I would not go on my honeymoon to a Saturn line. Okay, so that's a good point to bring up as well because Saturn is definitely more restrictive and I think more difficult to live on a Saturn line when you're younger. 
but like after your Saturn return or if you're looking to have more discipline, like you want to finish writing your book or you want to go to get your master's in something, like it would be great to live on your Saturn line because it would give you that discipline. Like you'd tap more into that Saturn energy. Okay, interesting, yeah. I'm not sure I could (laughs) Saturn. Well, we're both (laughs) living on our Chiron lines in New York City, so I think that's so fitting because coming here, I've done, so Chiron is, well, we'll do a whole episode on that, I'm sure, but basically Chiron has to do with healing, and honestly, being in New York City has brought up so much healing for me, and I know for Alice, you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like changed my life, but it has not been easy. Yes, it's definitely so. So again, that's like, okay, sometimes it's interesting when someone lives on like a Jupiter line for a long time and they almost get so comfortable. It like becomes like, okay, I want some challenge. I want some struggle so that way I can grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, hard lines, difficult. I mean, difficult lines are not like you don't need to like shy away from them. Like, I I would feel just like move to the city where you want to live. If there's a difficult line there, maybe there's a reason why you feel called there because you have to work through challenges in your life. It's like you can you cannot avoid difficulty in your life. Like that's not what astrology should be used for. Exactly. Yeah. So I I think that astrocartography can be beautiful when you're using it in conjunction with your intuition like what you actually are feeling called toward or it can just bring up a lot of confirmation for you too yeah okay I feel like that's it for this episode um thank you guys for listening Yes, be sure to tune in next week for our episode. We'll be talking about personal planets, so Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Yes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram in the meantime if you want more regular astrology content, and please DM us any questions you have for the Q&A. I'm at Stock Alice. And, um, and I'm Maxine Luthia. We love to connect with you. Um, I, we're always so excited to hear back from different people who have listened to our podcast so if you feel called to you can also feel free to leave us a review as well we'd love to grow our astrology community more and that would help us reach more people yes i'm so excited (laughs) for the coming episode but thank you guys again um i yeah Bye. bye everyone